Welcome to Ultiverse with Q, your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week, we're looking at... Ultimate Spider-Man. Trade Paperback Volume 3. And the conclusion of Ultimate Marvel Team-Up. And all the comics that we're going to be covering today are credited as being written by Brian Michael Bendis who you might know from Bendis Like Beckham. Where's the the vote to leave button? There isn't one. We need to record this on Discord so that I can uh, kick you from the group. You you don't have Discord management, Devin. (laughs) You don't have the votes. Uh, but yeah, this week we are covering some Ultimate Spider-Man and some adventures that Ultimate Spider-Man is sort of in, and it's definitely a wide gambit of Brian Michael Bendis is a very good writer to Brian Michael Bendis sucks, and I don't want him to be able to write things anymore. Oh, that happens a lot with him. Yeah, like there is just some stuff that is definitely his strength, and then sometimes it's like he's just Superman eating an entire chunk of kryptonite and then jumping mm-hmm. off of a building and plummeting to his death. Because this was still when he was relatively younger as a writer and had mostly been doing like crime comics. And had not decided to start phoning it in like the end of his Marvel run. Yeah. Well, not even just the end of it. I mean... He got accused of phoning it in for a long time. Like, there's people saying that back during, like, Fear Itself. He didn't write Fear Itself. No, but, like, around that time, uh, like, his new Avengers run and... Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And, like, there was the new Avengers run. of Fear Itself, and I personally Mm -hmm. thought it was underrated. I thought it was actually pretty good. Oh, no, I I enjoy a lot of Fear Itself. Uh, But... Like, there's the New Avengers issue where there's a bunch of, like, talking head interviews and nobody had distinct voices. Oh, because the whole thing about how you could rearrange any of the dialogue and it was still fed. Yeah, Yeah, that was a good bit of (gasps) calling him out. Yeah. And now he's writing Superman, which I haven't touched, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, So, yes. Uh, we are going to be covering Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 3, which is issues number 14 through 21, penciled by Mark Bagley, with inks by Art the Bear, with some pickups by Eric Benson, colors by Transparency Digital, and letters by Sharp Fonts, Dave Sharp. So last time, Peter had taken down the kingpin of crime in the city, but a lot of people don't really trust him. But, you know, Spider-Man's making a name. And Peter's teacher now has assigned everyone to come up with a superhero or to come in as a superhero and talk about their identity and why they do what they do. Liz Allen is bothered that the teacher is, like, fine with people coming in as mutants because she is very concerned about mutants because her uncle is a mutant. And Kitty Kong... Still loves himself some dang Spider-Man. 
and kind of wonders if this whole Spider-Man and mutants coming out and everything else is a sign of something bigger that's coming that might change the entire world. It's like, dang, Kenny, look at you having like a more unique thought for once. Mm-hmm. Hashtag deep. Hashtag 40 for mutants. <laughs> it's an X-Man update! Uh, speaking of horny mutants, have you been reading any of Age of X-Men? No. I've been picking up all the issues on Comixology, so you should read those on my account, but, uh... Um, neato. It's, it is really interesting so far as an approach to an alt-universe, and, like, making it feel like a full universe, instead of just, these are the only people who exist who actually matter. And it is a lot of, yeah, it's a dystopia questioning what are we willing to give up to live in peace? And is that peace worth it? And also, should you be arrested if you are horny? Well, that's that's the big mystery to life itself, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, X-Man hates people being horny. And so a mysterious new kid, Gwen Stacy, asks what makes all of them so special because that's going to be important before she walks off and Peter and Candy are kind of horny for her. Because teens. All the teens. Meanwhile, Otto Octavius, last seen being attacked by the Green Goblin, wakes up to find that he has not only been getting referred to as Dr. Octopus because he has four metal murder arms, but he has also been under the care of S.H.I.E.L.D. and one of their scientists, Hank Pym, uh, for the past three months when he was unconscious. And they're like, oh, hey, he got these arms fused to him and also his eyes are really fucked up. Let's leave him like that and see what happens. And he gets really angry because he was left with his arms messed up and uh, blinded, and so he starts to attack everybody and ends up escaping. Classic octopus. Mm-hmm. Always getting angry. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, after a pepper alley where Peter and Mary Jane hold hands, Kenny Kong realizes that night while taking a break from probably masturbating to Patsy Walker and Maxim that Peter is... And under- jamming out to the hit sounds of the early of 2000s, no effects. Uh, when we initially started uh doing this i considered like writing down every notation that was in here like there's that really weird conversation where the scientists are talking about how like nobody remembers who molly ringwald is it's like no she's she's pretty memorable i mean 16 candles breakfast club those are two movies that are still like in the pop culture now that are like two movies more than the average person is remembered for. That's true. And now she was in Riverdale. Ooh. Yeah, it is really weird how Brian Michael Bendis keeps putting Patsy Walker in everywhere. Well, it's Patsy. Yeah, but like we also see her a bunch of times in Ultimate Marvel Team Up and... Oh, true, and she was the weird, like, a data person in that last Yeah, it, and she was also in the earlier uh, video when Peter was learning about the security system. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
I, I mean, it's just her position in this world where I guess not only is she a model and not only does she do like information videos and like tourism videos, but she also just does random ass technology demonstration videos. Girls gotta eat. I guess. So Kenny tries to tell Liz Allen and Flash that uh, Peter is Spider-Man and makes a case that nobody believes. And when he tries to prove it by kicking Peter, Peter lets himself get kicked, cries. And so Gwen Stacy pulls a knife on Kenny, which gets the principal to come out. And Gwen's father, Captain Stacy, is called. At the time, he was investigating a murder scene, which, unknown to him, was a place where Doc Ock had attacked. Ben Urich, reporter for the Daily Bugle, tries to get some clues, and Stacy is angry at Urich for getting Kingpin kicked out of town and tells him to go look for a sewer monster, which comes up later. Continuity. Dun, dun, dun. Meanwhile, Spider-Man gets his kicks by beating up a purse snatcher who looks like Kenny and then runs into Jameson and messes with him by making Jameson think that Spider-Man's going to attack him. And then he leaves and then Jameson finds out when he falls to the ground that uh, his feet got webbed. Which, pretty good, but as a person who uh, fell face first onto the ground, it sucks. Jameson's going to press charges. He's actually kind of chill about it, which is interesting. That's because all Jameson is great. Mm-hmm. Back in the office, Jameson and the paper staff are trying to put together uh, the facts that they know about the story, and they realize that Otto Octavius used to live in that apartment, and he escaped from his secret holding, which is something that Ben Urich knows, and he is out on the wild now. And Peter overhears all of this. Otto, meanwhile, is dealing with a fractured psyche, and so he attacks the headquarters of Justin Hammer, where he rips up a giant picture of Justin Hammer Sr., his daddy. And meanwhile, on the TV, Craven the Hunter, who is essentially a more extreme and less intelligent version of uh, Steve Irwin the Crocodile Hunter plans to go and hunt Peter in New York City. Well, he plans to go hunt uh, plans to go and hunt Spider-Man in New York City. Nope, Luke was right the first time. He <laughs> yes. pulled out a high school yearbook and was like, yes, this boy. <laughs> I will bring his head. <laughs> and Peter, meanwhile, is more concerned with Otto Octavius coming after him. Captain Stacy talks to Gwen, and she makes the point that she was trying to defend Peter, who was getting bullied and would do it again. And when Ben Urich calls Captain Stacy, she runs out, and Urich tries to give him clues linking Octavius to the murders. And when Captain Stacy is trying to go and check on that, he is stopped by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents Sharon Carter and Jimmy Woo. I forgot that Jimmy Woo started showing up here. Yeah, Jimmy Woo was actually a decent amount of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that makes a bit more sense why he, like, had a bigger role in Ant-Man if they aren't planning on, like, doing an Agents of Atlas thing. Mm-hmm. Though you heard uh, War of the Realms is apparently getting a new Agents of Atlas. I saw the team. It's cool, but also mildly disappointing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not Parker, right? Oh, well, no, I mean, Jimmy Wu is also the only member of Agents of Atlas on the team. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, they, it's basically sort of... all of the Asian heroes. I mean, you have, I mean, Silk's going to be on it, which is cool, because she hasn't been in anything. Shang-Chi's going to be on it. Oh, so and, uh, is it Greg name? writing it? I didn't see who was doing it. I just saw who the team was. Uh, let's see. Agents of Atlas War of the Realms. Because I know that they had sort of been reinvented. Uh, yeah, no, it's Greg Pak. Okay. So that makes sense why he's bringing back his team of Asian superheroes. Yeah, so... It's like, that's a cool team, but... Agents of Atlas. Yeah, I mean, I guess they tried to reinvent Agents of Atlas to become a school for heroes, and yeah, that's kind of dumb too. If if they used it more, that'd be fine. But I mean, they've also been putting Gorilla Man into a bunch of other places for reasons. But what about the human robot? What about the human robot? Yeah, where is M Eleven? Everyone mm-hmm. loves him. And Peter, meanwhile, overhears that a figure with metal arms is attacking Hammer Towers, where Justin Hammer is meeting with Agents Carter and Wu, uh, who were sent by the president to investigate things. And Pamma is a southern gentleman, who's also like a little bit of Donald Trump, except not a completely awful, reprehensible idiot. Like... Hammer never comes off as being a person who would not be able to make money if it was not for his daddy. Truth. But they mention like how he has his casino and hammer towers. Like it's a very weird thing because I like in two thousand, it would have been before a lot of Trump's rebranding, where he was less of just a person you'd put in crowd scenes to establish things as being in New York before he was, oh, he's an amazing businessman. Yeah, wasn't The Apprentice by then? Yeah. Just because I was listening. No, no. Because when you listen, if you go back and listen to the Space Jam soundtrack, which I did when I got it, and you have the Bugs Bunny rap at the end, Donald Trump is mentioned by name. And now it's weird enough that uh, I don't like listening to that song anymore. The Apprentice started in 2004, so it wouldn't have been for a bit longer. Which would have been roughly about the time of this issue. Uh, a little bit before. It feels like it. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number... This would have been like 13, so this would have come out November 2001, Devin. Oh, okay. Like three years. Like, at this point in time, he would have mostly been saying that uh, all Muslims are terrorists and should be uh, murdered. And he would have still been bilking a lot of... You know, let's not talk about the awful orange man. You brought let's not talk about the awful... Yeah. I would rather have Justin Hammer as president. For sure. Like, yeah. So, uh, Hammer actually knows who Octavius is, but is keeping that close to his chest. 
And then everyone notices that Spider-Man is listening in and he gets chased off. Meanwhile, Craven arrives in town and announces officially his plans to kill Spider-Man. Like earlier, it's just, I'm going to New York and I'm going to hunt a dangerous game. What if he was going after Shaft and then he found out that Shaft was not a real person? Then he would have been sad. Mm-hmm. And Craven isn't really happy that he's going to be hunting down the Spider-Man, but his agent wants him to do it for, public- for publicity. And Gwen, meanwhile, returns to class, immediately tries to confront Kenny in front of the teacher, and is told to back down. And Liz, meanwhile, objects to the whole superhero project and has had her mom call to complain to the PTA because it is mutant positive. And Liz, why you gotta suck so much? Liz Allen's gotta suck. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, Hammer is heading to a meeting and checking in with Dr. John Skirtick about some of his projects. And they mention like how Skirtick had built Electro, which uh, Hammer sold to Kingpin for some construction projects and there's also the sandman who is having issues controlling his uh power and hammer wants to really hide that octavius was actually a secret spy because then he would lose government contracts so when hammer goes to give his speech unveiling a new nuclear power plant eddie brock shows up asking questions about how he's rumored to be making super people and Ben Yurk asks about Octavius, which is when Doc Ock appears on the screen. And the news that Doc Ock has attacked the nuclear power plant comes in. Peter hears about it, so he hitches a ride on a helicopter until he is noticed. is shot off the helicopter and lands inside the nuclear power plant with Doc Ock. And he is really off of his game here. Like, he gets taken, surprised by Doc Ock, finds out that his weapon can break and is quickly tossed out of the building where a SWAT team surrounds him. When agents Carter and Wu try to show up to arrest him, he uses the distraction to escape, but has to ditch the like shirt part of his costume. And then he makes the way home battered and bruised. And the way that the Spider-Man costume here is made is confusing, because it's not a onesie. Yeah. Well, it's his wrestling uniform. I guess. It, it's just like a weird construction because it never really feels like that. Like it's multiple uh-huh. pieces. And so on the TV, as Peter and Mary Jane watch it, Hammer tries to tie Spider-Man into the attack on the power plant, which frustrates Peter. Mary Jane tries to comfort him, but she also has to go and do homework. And as Peter is starting to brood, he hears Aunt May, who is suspicious of where he is. And so he moves up from the basement into the upstairs bathroom and just says that he is having very bad poops because he does not want her to see how much he's gotten the crap beaten out of him. The next day, Craven comes to school since Spider-Man had shown up there and Peter is worried. And Gwen is also concerned about Peter's bruises. And Mary Jane says, no, he just fell down the... He just fell down the stairs. Clumsy old Peter. Always walking into doorknobs and stuff. Walking into them doorknobs. <laughs> Which is like, that's not the best thing. But I appreciate Gwen being concerned. And uh, Craven comes in, starts smelling around, and is picking up on Peter's scent until Gwen distracts him, which allows Peter and MJ to get away, I'm assuming. 
like how the scene ends isn't really clear because Gwen is like, hey, he kind of smells like cat litter. And Craven gets distracted, and then we just cut over to Peter and MJ at Peter's house. Which well, he probably got distracted by those weird hand moves she kept doing. Mm-hmm. Bagley likes to put in everyone doing weird hand moves. For like, bam, gotcha. Yeah. He just wants to prove that he can draw hands. Which, you know what? Good for him. Not everyone mm-hmm. can. But, yeah, I mean, it's a weird thing because it's also hard to tell if Craven actually can smell Peter or not. Or if he's just doing it for a bit. He's doing it for them cameras because the cameras love him. So, MJ gives Peter his new costume top and Peter does not pick up on the fact that she is a bit jealous of Gwen and is also angry at him. Teen emotions. Everyone loves the teen emotions. That they do. So Peter heads after Hammer next, breaking into his office and meeting Hammer after another one of his press conferences had gone bad. And as Spider-Man, he tells Hammer that he is angry that Hammer threw him under the bus. And Hammer's like, whatever. Uh, how much do you want to kill Doc Ock? And Spider-Man is offended and leaves. Skurdick calls in, and Hammer picks up the call to find out that it is actually Doc Ock, forcing him to come and talk to him in person at his genetics lab in New Jersey. And so as they drive in the limo over there, Spider-Man is riding on top of it. Craven is informed of all these people who are calling in that Spider-Man is riding on a limo and starts to get ready. Betty Brandt is there for whatever reason, and she wants to go and cover the story, and she's told no, and then Craven assaults her, which is a weird beat. Yeah. Like, I don't know why Betty is there, because it also looks like she's just rubbing on his muscles and stuff. Kind of looks like that. It's a weird... It's a weird thing, Bendis. That's because we have sexy early 2000s Craven now. One thing that this made me think about is how great the Enter the Spider-Verse Doc Ock is and how it would have been nice if the Ultimate Universe had done more inversions like that. Like, reality show Craven is a decent bit, but I'm not entirely sure how well it holds up overall. But it's pretty much always been reality show bit though well no he used to oh gee craven was i thought he was a russian aristocrat who just wanted to hunt yeah but it it wasn't for like i mean it wasn't like for like a reality show but like he told the paper he was going to do it so like it was still like a big publicity thing but there's a difference between having a show where what you do is hunt dangerous monsters and animals and to an extent just announcing but you can see where I'm seeing they're saying there's yeah. a difference. Like, it's a logical update and extension of it, since you can't necessarily have young people who are parts of the deposed Russian monarchy. And, yeah. I digress. So, uh, when Hammer finally gets to the lab, Doc Ock is there waiting with cameras and reporters, and he has told them all that it is Hammer's fault. 
Hammer tries to back away in the limo, so Ock attacks it, letting Spider-Man come in, doing the smart thing this time and webbing back Ock's face so that way he can rescue the people while the cameras, unaware to him, are recording everything live. And the fight gets on all the news channels very quickly. Spider-Man gets caught and knocked away again, allowing Ock to go after Hammer until Spider-Man shows up again, pants Doc Ock, and rips off some of his arms after knocking him out for good. Some classy teen antics. Mm-hmm. A news reporter goes to interview Spider-Man, and that's when Craven shows up, and he is now ready to fight. Spider-Man initially tries to ignore him to check on Hammer, who has died because he had a heart attack, because he is an old man. A southern old man died of a heart attack. Truth. And Spider-Man wants to try and, like, get everybody else out of the car and tries to get Kraven to step down. Kraven doesn't listen, attacks, and Spider-Man easily avoids all of his punches and, like, keeps asking him to stop. And when he doesn't, Spider-Man knocks him out with one punch on live TV. Spider-Man gets Hammer's assistant out of the car and everybody claps because Spider-Man is a big hero. And... He finally gets the opportunity to answer some questions when a reporter points out that it might help and that his entire battle with the Doc Ock was on live TV. And he explains how he sort of fell into his powers like Ock did, but he wanted to use them to help people. And he wears his mask to protect his loved ones and then gets a diss on Jonah for not trusting him before getting out of there because it is late at night. The police show up and arrest Craven and his team for being jerks, and Carter and S.H.I.E.L.D. show up to get Ock while Jimmy Woo shuts down Hammer's headquarter building, and Carter cuts off all of the TV feeds. Peter finally gets home at like 3 a.m. and is confronted by Aunt May, so he lies about where he was and keeps getting confronted about his lying and his injuries, and ultimately he gets grounded because he won't tell Aunt May the truth meaning he can't work at the Bugle, can't hang out with MJ, and he has to come home straight from school and is unable to do his work. And Aunt May promises to let both of them know about him being grounded, which is fair, but also I'm pretty sure Peter would get fired from the Bugle at this point. Oh, probs. Because we don't do work at home at that point in the game. Yeah. And so when Peter finally gets to his room, he turns on the TV to see that while Spider-Man is a hero, he has ended up grounded. And back at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, they've shut down Hammer's experiments, captured Octavius, and Doc Ock realizes that, bum bum bum, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And that is the end of the third arc. We also have... Uh, six stories from Ultimate Marvel team up to cover. All of these were still written by Brian Michael Bendis. Up first is Ultimate Marvel team up number nine with art by Jim Mafood, colors by Transparency Digital, and letters by Sharp Font. And it's definitely a Jim Mafood comic uh-huh. because it's got like all the weird bits and it's very much his style. Peter goes to the Baxter building because he's supposed to job shadow Reed Richards, and Herbie, the Fantastic Four's robot and security system, immediately can tell that he has powers. He gets a rundown from Patsy Walker, again, 
learning the origin of the Fantastic Four, where Reed Richards discovered the Negative Zone, which he funded himself with his own inventions, and then he went in with his best friend, pilot Ben Grimm, Sue Storm, another scientist, and her NASCAR driving brother Johnny. They went into the Negative Zone, but what seemed like months of time uh, passed. They discovered a bunch of stuff and got all their powers. We'll, we'll get to this eventually. It's not super important right now. And it kind of changes. Yeah. Like most of the Benda stuff that he establishes here. So Peter is given four rules to not use his powers, to stay on the safety path, to not touch machines, and to avoid the negative zone portal. There's also a bunch of like weird Mafood gags in here. Uh, Peter ends up getting asked to go and get coffee from Starbucks. And the Fantastic Four get called off on a mission. Peter ends up going to the floor with the negative zone portal. Herbie attacks him. Scrolls get released for whatever reason and attack. So Peter switches into Spider-Man to fight them. Peter finds that they want Reed Richards. So he tells them that he is Reed. Gets chased through Marvel's offices. There's more cameos and weird bits. And then the Fantastic Four catch all the scrolls. Spider-Man is in trouble for breaking the rules and also not getting coffee. Peter tries to say that he isn't Spider-Man and Bill Hemis has been replaced by a scroll who decides to do enough said month. The issue is okay. It's weird. Yeah, I... The biggest problem with a lot of these is they just have to put in a bunch of stuff and Bendis is experimenting and most of the experiments are not worth it. No. And I don't know, it's weird to do it, make it like a food thing for your, what is technically yeah. the first introduction of the Ultimate Fantastic Four. Yep. So uh, we then get to number 10, which has art by John Totalbin and Rod Rendell with Transparency Digitals and Sharp Font on the colors and letters again. A pair of purse snatchers disappear in the sewers when a mysterious reptilian creature finds them. And we get a few framing devices. The first is a goodbye letter from Kurt Connors to his wife. He found out that his project's funding to learn how to regrow people's limbs was getting cut, so he decided to test it on himself. And then in an interview on TV, one of his students, Miss Lee, says that he turned into a lizard, which might be the sewer monster known as Man-Thing in New York City that got referred to earlier in the episode. Peter sees the interview and in another framing device where he's writing a letter to Mary Jane. Uh, he talks about how he went into the sewers, found the lizard, who is more like an iguana-y creature mm -hmm. than the crocodile man. Which makes sense if you're doing something on lizards for growing limbs. And then Man-Thing shows up, grabs a lizard, uh, burns out all the lizard juice from him, returning him to being Kurt Connors, and then leaves... And Peter's like, oh, I'll just tell you at first, and deletes his message. And then we circle back to Kurt Connors, who refuses to go home until his arm is better. It's weird. It was. I like that one better, though. Yeah, I, I just think that there is too many framing devices in it, and Correct. some of the pages are just loaded with text. <clears throat> Whew, but not as bad as the one coming up in two issues. Mm -hmm. We then have Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, number 11, with art by China Clugston Major, with transparency, digitals, and sharp font on colors and letters again. 
uh, Peter ends up skipping school to go to the mall with Mary Jane, Gwen, Kenny, and Liz. And Candy doesn't want to be there, but Gwen forces them to. Presumably because Kenny by this point thinks that Peter might be Spider-Man. It's not really defined all that well. And they end up at the mall, and Kenny is excited about Orange Julius. So they go and get lunch, and Kenny is officially going to be Wendigo's son. Yes. Unexiled. So Peter notices the X-Men. Uh, Scott, Jean, Logan, Hank wearing a gorilla shirt, and Aurora are there. And Peter also might be attracted to Jean? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Who isn't at this stage in the game? It's like a really weird framing thing where I think he's supposed to be looking at Logan, but instead the way that it's like directed, it looks more like he's looking at Jean, who is behind Logan and Cyclops. Uh, but they are also there for a mall day, and Logan sniffs out Peter and approaches them at a table where Peter is eating with his friends. And Logan's like, they're all his cousins. And also, Logan being a jerk leaves Kenny hanging when he wants a high five. That's true, he did. Bros don't do that to bros. That panel of sadness for Kenny was great. Great art right there. It is. There are a lot of really good reaction images that you can get from this issue. Uh, Liz notices that they are all mutants, which causes her to run off, and Gwen asks if they have uh, powers. And so they start talking about mutants and compare it to being gay, which is not, like, aged super well. Like, I think the conversation that they had earlier where Peter tried to pull the, oh, you'll just be like Nazis if you try and round up mutants, and Kenny's like, yeah, but Jewish people did not have optic blasts is a slightly better approach to the conversation. Uh, anyways, not a lot here is aged well. Jean ultimately says that you just have to deal with who you are, and then they leave, and nobody questions at all. That's because Liz they realize that she sucks. sucks and is a bad friend. Mm-hmm. And is sort of racist. Yeah. We then have... Numbers 12 through 13, with art by Ted McKeever, and colors by Transparency Digital, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. So a year ago, Wong showed up looking for Stephen Strange, who is sort of a stoner, to go talk about his father. So we move into the present, when a man named Jackson gives the location of the Wand of Watum to the mystic Henry Zandu. Zandu is angry because he wanted to get the actual wand. And Jackson's like, yeah, that wasn't part of the actual deal that we had. You were only paying me for the location. And also, Stephen Strange Jr. has it, and I can't get it. And this is like one of them where it just gets really dumb because we find out about Stephen Strange Sr., who is pretty much classic Doctor Strange who broke his hands in a car accident and managed to use magic to fix them, became Sorcerer Supreme, met up with Wong and Clea. But then Clea got pregnant, Strange vanished, and Clea let her son not grow up knowing that her father vanished because of magic until Wong showed up last year. Henry tries to magically compel Jackson to get the wand, but Jackson is not an idiot when it comes to magic, so Zandu instead takes over to 
uh, thugs to attack Jackson. Spider-Man goes and saves him, but then Xanadu sees Spider-Man got powers and takes over Spider-Man instead. So Spider-Man bursts into the Sanctum Sanctorum, and Doctor Strange immediately sends him to the Astral Plane, but then realizes that's not going to be good for Spider-Man, goes in to save him. Spider-Man wakes up in bed without his mask, which frustrates him, even though Doctor Strange is like, yeah, I have no idea who you are. Strange and Wong realize that the seal protecting the Sanctum Sanctorum is down, which is when Xandu and his two beefy boys burst in, so Wong sets up a trap with the Eye of Agamotto that is going to show fake treasure to distract Xandu. Xandu knocks out Wong, but then goes into the trap and is sealed in where he has to face Doctor Strange. They have a wizard battle, which Strange is losing until Spider-Man takes Xandu by surprise, knocking him out, and Spider-Man, having saved the day, leaves, never wanting this to be brought up again. Same. It's fucking weird that you can't just be like, uh, no, it's just going to be classic Doctor Strange. No, instead you have to do, like, four pages of, oh, this was his father, who was traditional Doctor Strange. Like, why would you go with that direction? It's so confusing. And the amount of text that was in those four pages, it's just like, did you guys, like, forget this is a comic? Because I feel like we're just reading a book. Yeah, and the art is very stylized. I don't think it really served. Nope. I don't think it is well served by the script. Well, at first I was mildly excited because I just saw the word McKeever and was just like, ooh, like Sean Kelly McKeever, creator of Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. And then, yeah. oh, disappointment. Yeah. Like, I don't mind this type of story, but you, like, especially for a mystic story, but instead you just waste it. Super wasted. Uh, yeah. And kind of speaking of wasted, we then have number 14 with pencils by Terry Moore, inks by Weldon Wong, with Transparency Digital and Chris Eliopoulos on uh, colors and letters again. So Ambassador Golog, who was last seen in the Iron Man crossover, finishes an interview when he notices that the intern there, Nancy Roman, has been having problems again. He confronts her and reveals that she's actually Natasha Romanov, and he captures her. It, it's very weird because, like, the way that they do the whole framing thing, it's like, oh, here he's seeing her now, but then we cut back to three months or three weeks earlier where he was yelling at her, and then it never really seems to explain when this is happening. Yeah. Ben Urich at the Bugle gets notified that an intern was beaten and has disappeared inside the embassy. This is where the art is because where's Jameson's stash? What? Yep. He looks clean shaven. It's like you can't get rid of the Golden Boy's signature look. It's more of like a pencil stash, but I agree. It's not what you want. And Peter overhears this conversation and heads out. Natasha has been exposed and captured and Golog tries to question her because he thinks that she is trying to prove her worth by like stealing information to prove that she can, but she breaks out, kills Golug by fucking snapping his neck, and escapes. Spider-Man sees her leaving the building, saves her, and drops her off on a roof. She knocks him out and is then met by Nick Fury because she wants him to work with him. And she goes on to join the Ultimates. Bum, 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 bum. In the continuing evolution of Which... Nick Fury's look. Which still has yeah, yet to be he's... perfected. Yeah, we'll be getting to the Ultimates 
on March 17th. So look forward to that. And like, and that's where Mark Millar officially one more like sets. This is what Nick Fury is. Nick Fury is. Mm-hmm. And then the last one we are covering today is Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, number 15 through 16, with pencils by Rick Mays, inks by Jason Martin, and then Transparency Digital and Chris Eliopoulos on colors and letters again. Lika Wu has come to Chinatown when she is accosted by street thugs who are quickly taken down by Shang-Chi, who we find out from, like, the summary and credits page is the world's greatest martial artist who ran away from his father, Fu Manchu, which is a weird way of presenting that information. Agreed. Peter, like, there's so many fucking weird changes with this, I'm glad the series ended. But uh, Peter and Mary Jane go to Chinatown, they see Shang-Chi being attacked by thugs, and Peter goes to change, but by the time he gets her as Spider-Man, Shang-Chi has beat all of them up, and Liko is interested in him, and so she ends up organizing all of the criminals in Chinatown to attack Shang-Chi at once, and also lets Fu Manchu know where he is. Like, this one has a whole bunch of skips and jumps. This is when it turns into weak John Wick. Yeah. So you mean John Wick? Bam. Meanwhile, Peter wants to learn how to fight better, so Mary Jane suggests that Spider-Man offer to pay Shang-Chi to teach him. Shang-Chi's boss warns him that people are going to come to fight him, and so he fights, and when he's finally starting to get in trouble because there are too many people for him to fight, Spider-Man shows up and helps him finish them off. Spider-Man gets away with Shang-Chi and mentions that he had wanted to learn how to fight, so Shang-Chi teaches him some quick moves and leaves. And there's also a framing story that I'm 99% sure is made up and is not an actual Japanese legend, so it won't be mentioned. Hooray! It's weird. Yeah. Later on in 616 continuity, they will have a very good arc where Shang-Chi teaches Spider-Man how to fight. When he loses his spider senses. But uh, do you know what we're covering now, Devin? We're not covering. We're going to be putting them. We're going to be ranking them. Yes. On our Ultiversal Q rankings. Currently at the top is Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1 numbers 8 through 13. Learning Curve. And at the bottom is Ultimate Marvel Team Up Spider-Man Daredevil Punisher. So we have uh, first Ultimate Spider-Man number 14 through 21, a.k.a. Double Trouble. And I don't think it's as good as Learning Curve. There is just some weird beats in here. But I would put it over the first one. Over Powers and Responsibility. I would put it over Powers and Responsibility, though. so then does it go above or below Ultimate Daredevil and Electra? I, I think it goes above just because there are some better moments in here that are more memorable. Yes. So our new number two is Ultimate Spider-Man number 14 through 21, Double Trouble. Uh, then we have Ultimate Spider-Man, or Marvel Team-Up number nine, Spider-Man Fantastic Four, which... Is all right, 
but it it's just makes some weird choices. I mean, I'd kind of rather read it more than... I... I would say it's below Hulk. I put it under Tamar. <sighs> yeah, but Hulk, you have to... Re- yeah, yeah. Because Hulk still captured, like, what I want... What an ultimate team-up was. This didn't feel like an ultimate team-up. Yeah, it was more of, hey, Jim, you're my buddy, let me give you some more. Yeah. Uh, We then have Spider-Man and Man-Thing, which... uh, Better than Iron Man, Mm -hmm. is it better or worse than Ultimate Electro? I feel like it's more mixed than Electra was, so yeah. Electra above Iron Man. Uh, we then have Spider-Man and the X-Men, which is, like, decent fun. Oh, yeah, I like that issue. Uh, I mean, I'd be good for putting it above Ultimate X-Men Volume 1, the Tomorrow sure. feature, and right under Ultimate Spider-Man Volume sure. 1. And then we have Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, which, I mean, it does the team-up thing. And it's better than Fantastic Four. Is it better or worse than Hulk? No. I would say worse than Hulk. So it will go above the Fantastic Four as our new number nine. We then have Spider-Man and Black Widow, which... Uh, you know, it's shorter than Doctor Strange, and it's more succinct, so I'd put it under Hulk and above yeah. Doctor Strange. It's actually, I actually liked the Black Widow one. It's alright, it, it just has that weird, like, confusing time part at the beginning. Yeah. And it loses Jameson's mustache. That it did. Uh, and then last we have Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu... Which, I don't know, where are you feeling it? It's not as good as Shang-Chi as I had wanted. Mm-hmm. I would... I still like it more than Doctor Strange. It's clearer. Yes. But I would not say it was as good as Black Widow. But, yeah. So our list is now up to 17 stories. Hot Check dogs. Uh, next time on Ultiverso Q... Wolverine goes after Weapon X and Weapon X. Uh, Wolverine goes after Weapon X and the X-Men go around the world, around the world, around the world. Because mm-hmm. we're covering more Ultimate X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, we are also going to be doing a Captain Marvel tie-in issue, which we'll need to figure out what we're going to cover. I was going to say, what are we going to do for that one? We'll figure that out off the air. Uh, but Devin, where can people find you? Well, you, you can online? find me online at Fredofet, and Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Coltrek. It's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. You can find us on Facebook. Or on Twitter, if you look up Multiversal Q or Ultiversal Q, uh, you can visit our website at ultiversalq.com or multiversalq.com, uh, where you can see image galleries and the show notes that we take. Uh, if you want to be ultimate, 
fans, uh, please leave us a rating on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you ever want to reach out to us, you can send us an email at multiversoq at gmail.com. Or just reach out on social media. Uh, that wraps us up for this week. Devin? Yeah? I forget what our <laughs> catchphrase is. Catch you on the flip mode, Luke. Hot damn. All right. Peace.